Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Good morning and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now... Here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. It's a penny for your thoughts. Good to have you with us here on this Monday morning quarterback show. Last Monday in November. December is uh, coming up here later this week. Great to have you with us as we uh, join you this morning. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Berkey's. Your hometown Kubota dealer. Check them out there at 2202 South High Cross Road in Urbana. A busy, busy week of uh, Illini sports this week with basketball. We just had a busy weekend. Men's and women's basketball, volleyball, and football. Football, of course, with an eight-win season. They'll be headed to a bowl game, and we'll see which one that is. We'll know more coming up next week. And uh, Mr. Tate is with us. And... uh, I well, guess we'll learn more you, as we go. You know more about the bowl game than no, I do. I, what I do you don't. think? Are they <laughs> going to go to Orlando? Are they going to Tampa? Are they going to Nashville? Yeah, my guess is it's one of those three. Okay, <laughs> that would be my guess. You know, I don't. I don't have a direct line to I don't who's either. making those decisions. I know the Citrus Bowl has been watching Illinois I a lot. Was, I was told yesterday that Nashville is a fallback. In other words, mm-hmm. we're trying to get either trying to maybe get the Citrus Bowl. You think? Mm-hmm. And and if not, uh, maybe fall back to Nashville. But you know, we won't know until we see these games this coming weekend. You got five huge playoff games in Power Five, mm-hmm. and you know you've got teams that could, you know, if there were upsets, uh, it would change everything. What if, uh, you know, what if, let's say, what if uh, TCU Florida State beat. beats yeah. LSU? Yeah. Or what if? Uh, you know who's going to win between Utah and UCLA and and Tennessee, Alabama, and you got Oregon, Oregon State. I mean, all these teams that are below teams that they beat before. I'm giving you the uh, the wrong lineup there. Mm-hmm. These are teams. I wanted to bring this up, and now I've got myself confused. But Tennessee beat Alabama and is ranked behind them. UCLA beat Utah and is ranked behind them. Florida State beat LSU and is ranked behind them. <laughs> it's kind of strange. Yeah, it no, is. No, no, the bowl, the bowl games are uh, Clemson, North Carolina, Utah, USC, Purdue, Michigan, LSU, Georgia, and TCU, Kansas State. The results of those games will certainly change the bowl picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other bowls will pick up what, uh, what is left after we sort through all of that. 
So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But there should be some good games there. TCU, K-State. TCU, of course, trying to be in the playoff. Uh, Utah kind of snuck in yeah. to the uh, the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, and they were, they were they won it last year, so they're they're coming in for two in a row. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, um, you, you just don't know what to expect in this, so this, the way this thing wound up. I mean, North Carolina uh, lost to South South Carolina, then North Carolina lost Clemson, mm-hmm. then North Carolina beat Clemson. And, right, right. I mean, just crazy stuff happened over the weekend, <laughs> I thought. Some of those results. Yeah. USC beat uh, Notre Dame, and a lot of people were picking Notre Dame to upset them, but mm-hmm. they didn't. That was a good win for USC. All right, good to have you with us here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Again, our show today, this Monday morning quarterback show, brought to you by our friends at Berkey's Farm Store. Big Ten race uh, decided finally in the West, went down to the last day. Purdue gets in with a win at Indiana over the Hoosiers in the old Oaken Bucket game, and so they get in. They'll play Michigan coming up on Saturday. Illinois with a win over Northwestern 41-3 this past weekend. Matt Millen is on the line with us from uh, BTN. and Matt, how you doing this morning? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, it was a good Thanksgiving. Uh, we got a, We started a new family tradition this year. We we started getting a turducken in in honor of my friend John Madden, and uh, and anytime you got a turducken, you know you're going to get a good meal. Yeah, that I saw the clip of that again. The turducken, uh, what a great uh, if if nobody's seen that, and uh, it's just a great video of him doing all that. Yeah, that was. Uh, I remember the first time that he got one, and uh, they were on the air, and and they forgot to bring up all the cutlery, and so John. <laughs> John, it smelled so good. He just took his fingers and used it like a knife. <laughs> and he just kind of, and that was Coach Madden. Like he was just, you know, just like a lineman. That's what a lineman would do, right? Oh. Yeah, you don't have anything, don't have a knife, no problem. I'll use my fingers. Well, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're, we're delighted to have you, Matt. Glad you had a great Thanksgiving. And um, I know that uh, it's been an eventful Big Ten season. Somebody had to win the Big Ten West, and Purdue wound up doing it. Yeah, and and the way they did it, right? And so, and winning it at the end. And uh, look, I got to tell you, Je- uh, Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom does more with less than he and Greg Schiano. I don't know how they do it. They stay competitive. Jeff Jeff obviously won a lot more than than Greg did, but um, they, those guys they take what they have, they figure it out, and then they are they are excellent coaches. They get. They get, uh, like I said, they get a lot out of a little. And uh, in Jeff's case, you know, he has, he's got maybe he's got, he's got two playmakers on that offense, and that's Charlie Jones on the outside, and and the and the freshman that Devin Mockaby kid, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Aiden O'Connell. If you can protect him, he's he can be pretty darn good. And and those are the three pieces of his puzzle. Durham every now and then the tight end. But he doesn't run very well, so you have to really scheme things up, and that's that's exactly what Jeff does. He's he's excellent. I to me personally, I think he's a next level coach. Well, Matt, I, this I this is Lauren. I want to say something about Durham because in the Illinois game, as they tied in, he killed Illinois. That was that was he was a difference. Not Charlie Jones in that game, just in that single game. Boy, I thought Durham was about as good a tight end as we faced all year. Oh yeah, uh, he can catch. And he's a decent blocker. He just can't run. And so I'm I'm talking about the next level stuff. Okay, so sure. So he's uh you know he he'll do great in look college football if in college football if you don't throw to your tight end you're missing the mark because college linebackers bite like 
dogs, man. <laughs> they just they bite so hard on play action and fakes inside. The middle of the field is open almost all the time. So if you have a, a kid who can catch the ball, doesn't matter if he can't run very well. And I'm not saying he can't make it at the next level. He he will. He'll be able to do that because he can block. He, he understands zones. He can sit down in holes and stuff. And and he's good. He has, he has excellent hands. But I'm just saying, if you're gonna for the next level piece, that's that's the piece that uh, that he's not going to excel up there. So mm-hmm. well, let me but ask. Having you. said all that, I I would go to a tight end all day long in college football. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been looking forward to that for the last 20 years. <laughs> Here at Illinois, yeah. <laughs> we keep talking about it, but, you know, but we just don't do it very often. Uh, we had a pretty good tight end last year, and he transferred to Michigan State, and he didn't catch many balls over there either. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I, I don't understand it. You, you've watched college football you know, long, as long as I have, and, and I just don't understand why teams don't go to tight ends. It's just... Hmm. Some of them do. Occasionally, they do, and you get a tight end. Who's, I think I think Iowa likes to feature their tight ends a little bit, but past that, you don't see very many. Well, we, Illinois threw the tight end once uh, a Saturday. They threw to Luke Ford, and he was so wide open he ran for twenty yards before anybody <laughs> got near him. But uh, I think that's the only ball he caught that day. But I want to I want to bring up something to you that's been kind of bugging me since I watched the Ohio State Michigan game. I thought that McCarthy, that they didn't respect McCarthy based on a lot on how poorly, and I, I shouldn't use the word poorly, how average he was against Illinois. He missed, I went back and watched some film on that game, he missed open receivers that were, I mean, were wide open. But Ohio State was going single coverage deep, and man, alive, he he was hitting guys that were five yards in the open. Yeah, that's... Uh... It always it always amazes me from week to week how things can change, especially in college football. Um, college football is more schematic. The next level stuff is mostly matchups. Uh, I mean, there's still there's still matchups in college, but not as much. And so it just it surprises me sometimes, mostly because the scheme you bring into it, unless you're playing a bunch of man, it's hard to get everybody covered. You know, you can exploit a scheme relatively easily if they're going to continue to stay in it. Like if it's a cover two team, you know what they're going to be in all the time, so you can manipulate some of that. But if, you, if, you're, if you're multiple in your defenses and one of the things in your multiplicity is, is uh, man coverage, that's a little tougher to beat, especially if you have good matchups. So it, it doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all. Um, the piece that I think the difference in, uh, in Michigan's team – in the last couple of years, uh, I think they've gotten more physical, especially up front. And um, that, to me, has been the difference in their run game, and, uh, and I think they just wear you down over time. And so I think that would probably be the difference in this game as well. Brian Barnhart with Lawrence Eight, Monday Morning Quarterback Show. Pleased to be joined by Matt Millen of BTN, former Penn State All-American linebacker, of course part of four Super Bowl-winning teams, 12 years in the NFL commentator for cbs for many years and uh we're so gra- glad to have him with us here for a few minutes this morning on a penny for your thoughts give me your thoughts you were here a couple of weeks ago to watch brett bielema's team your thought on the illini eight wins what brett did they were in every game probably should have won a couple more i think yeah i would 100 percent agree i was really impressed with that defense i was impressed with the defense um i i liked the most multiplicity of what they were doing I they have some good players there. 
the Brown kid, the safety, I think that kid's I think he's pretty darn good. I like the corners. They had a they had one good corner. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I got I got Purdue rosters in my head right now. <laughs> Witherspoon. But, yeah. Wh- yeah, Spoon. There you go. Yeah. Thirty one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he that's a good player as well. They got some good young guys up front. I just I just think uh I thought that was a very good defense. And um, and I thought on on the offensive side of the ball, you're going to be running the football like they were. And uh, you know, the Brown kid's a good player. The quarterback was accurate. He got rid of the ball quick. I was surprised, to be honest with you, I was completely surprised when they got beat uh, two weeks ago. Um, that one, or is it three? I can't remember. They're running together anymore. <laughs> well, there was a Michigan, yeah, Michigan State game there, and then Purdue game that back Michigan to back. State, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I had that game. Yep, mm-hmm. and that I was that was surprised me. Uh, that was a game that they were controlling, and all of a sudden they they weren't, and it just kind of slipped away from them. And I think that was the difference, really, in their season. Matt Mellon uh, did the game. You did the game, Purdue-Indiana game. Somebody said uh, Matt did the game Saturday. If the turf monster had not taken out the Indiana quarterback, would they have beaten Purdue? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> and I brought that up again at the end of the end of the game. It was a completely different game when Dex Williams went out. Dexter Williams went out of the game. Uh, they had no answer for his feet. And um, now it was, you know, it's the beginning of the game, and you can make adjustments and all that. And so it would have been interesting to see what happens, especially if they could have stopped the run and then having to force him to throw. But the kid's got a good arm, too. Hmm. And I owe him a pair of overalls, so I, I better get that sent out to him. <laughs> well, does anybody throw the ball better than Brahms' team in the Big Ten? Uh, yeah, well, uh, the answer to that is yes, um, only because they have, you know, there are some schools that just have better people. Mm-hmm. But conceptually and what they're trying to do, the answer is the answer is no. He does. He is so good at taking what he has and using what he has. And you know this as well as anybody. Everybody kind of has the same plays. It's the same playbook. You're running, going to run inside zones, gap schemes. It's you know you're you're going to run the same patterns. It's it's all the same stuff. So if, the, that's not the, the difference in calling a game. Calling a game is an art because it's not what you do, it's when you do it. And some guys have a great feel for it, and some guys don't. And Jeff Brown's got a great feel. He just has a feel for when to go to whatever works. He just he sees things well, he sees the field well, he's an old quarterback, and so, you know, he's reading everything. He's uh he's really good. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think he's got a, a great uh, ability to figure out what the other team isn't expecting. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, they they worked in the run in some games this year that was kind of surprising, but I su- I'm sure that they did that because the other team was looking for the pass. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's a feel, you know, and that, how do you define feel? That, that's you, you have it or you don't. You know, some guys have it. Jeff's got it. He's just – he's. it's interesting. I was talking to his dad this week, this past weekend, and uh, and I said something to him. I said, your son's got great feel. And he said, you know what? As a little kid, he had that. He hmm. just had a sense of when to do something. And he, I guess he, he, he coached his dad's a coach. Hmm. And uh, he hmm. said he just learned to listen to him sometimes as he grew. You know, like, that, that, 
that's a great that's a great idea. Let's try it. And so they did. Hmm. So I, I thought that was interesting. Matt Millen with us from BTN. We're talking Big Ten football here. Uh, so all that said, Michigan will be a big favorite, I'm sure. Uh, does Purdue have a chance in that game? Well, you know, it's interesting. You, you, so the question, the answer to that question, do they have a chance, is always yes, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be yes. The practical answer is no. Mm-hmm. But do they have a chance? Sure. If these things would happen, yes, they could win. I don't see those things happening. It would almost—it doesn't have to be a complete implosion on the other side. Um, but look, Michigan's bigger, faster, stronger. Mi- Michigan has more talent. Michigan is recruiting at a level that Jeff can't even get an appointment with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just that's why they're at their, where they're at, and that's why what they accomplished this year is, is, is remarkable because they don't have that many players like Michigan would have. Michigan's got kids on the second team that would start for them. So can they do it? Yes, they can. Will they do it? Most likely not. Mm-hmm. As a former player for Penn State, what is your feeling about the divisions and the fact that Penn State's been stuck with Ohio State and Michigan all these years or for these recent years, I think since 2014, and the Western Division has got a, a bunch of teams that are scrambling around. They're all about equal. But uh, what's the feeling at Penn State about uh, changing the divisions? Get better and win it. That's what you do. So if that's what you're stuck in, don't whine about who's in front of you. Get to work. That's my, that's my thought. He's recruiting good kids. My personal opinion uh, with Penn State is you need to get more physical. They are um, an athletic group, and they are, I, they're not a real physical team. I believe this. I watched the transition happen with Michigan. In the last two years, they've gotten way more physical. And so there are two things in all of football that haven't changed because the game continually is in, in a cycle and changing, right? The rules change. The way the games change a little bit. It just, they just... As years go by, they just keep changing. Two things have remained the same. Number one, smart players win games. Number two, physicality wins overall. If I'm, I can beat you up, I will win this game. And you can be as finesse as you want and athletic as you want, and inevitably, when it comes down to it, I'm going to punch you in the face, and what are you going to do about it? And if you can't respond... You get beat. And if you try to respond and can't do it, you still get beat. So if you maintain those two things, you have a chance. And I have seen the game go away from that. And I still think that's why Belichick is even, he can even still compete a little bit because his teams are that way. But there seems to be a culture in in college football where the the, the the very top players go to the very top schools and and it, it works its way down and how do you crack through if you're if you're getting all three uh, Wisconsin's been getting all three stars and all of a sudden they made a change from the Alvarez culture this weekend and they're going to go with fickle because I think they, the reason is that they feel that they need to upgrade their recruiting and they need to hit Ohio harder and fickle might be the guy to do that I I, I think that they're that this is a long-term thing based on improving recruiting more than anything else. And, and yeah, I, that's, that's 
That's not a bad thought. In fact, that's a good thought, really good thought. But having said that, he still has to get them. Yep. So it still comes down to making the sale. And so, you know, I know I, I, he's recruiting. He recruited kids from Cincinnati, so he knows the state. When he was in Cincinnati, rather. He knows the state. And look, it's not always about, and you know this as well as anybody, it's not always about, I got a, heck, when we were being recruited, you never even heard of this crap. A four-star, a five-star, a three-star. Forget all that. It's developing the players. Get a kid. What does he have? Can we develop him? If you get a kid who's got some skills, needs some size, you can get him bigger. If you got a kid who doesn't have the skills, you get him bigger. You get a you got a big kid with no skills. So you have to be able to see all that, and that's an art. Some guys can see it. Some guys can't see it. And so Luke apparently has that because he was he was recruiting in their vernacular, two- and three-star guys, and he developed them. And um, you can always tell on a team, every team, watch a team, do they get better as the season goes on? If you watch them from the beginning to the middle to the end and you, and you watch them get better, they're, they're being developed. Mm-hmm. And then in the off-season, it's a whole nother, a whole nother uh piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. matt, matt go yeah, ahead matt i'm sorry yeah matt millen yeah, of uh, btn is with us uh, here for a few more minutes uh had a listener want to get your thoughts on fickle to wisconsin rule to nebraska on those two hires well that i think that's a great that's a great hire i mean i've known luke i, I haven't had him for a couple of years now but i i like the way he thinks i think he's understands the kids I think he understands how to put a group together. I think he also understands how to lead, which is not common, right? That's a very uncommon thing. Some people think they do, but actually leading people is a big deal. I think Luke has that. And so I, the biggest thing for him is going to be able to maintain and uh, the recruiting trails, right? And what, what, what haven't they had at Wisconsin in the last few years is a legitimate quarterback. And so it'll be interesting to see if he can get one in there. Hmm. And that's, uh, that's the, almost been their history. Yeah. You know, yeah, except, aside from, except, aside except from for one guy Russell that they Wilson, got from yeah. North Carolina State. But, <laughs> but uh, yep. they, they've, they've just based it on – I think it goes back to Ron Dane, and, and they followed his lead. And I, I just – maybe it's hard to, to do that over a long period of time. Well, you know, so that's Barry, and so yeah, they've kind of followed that same recipe, and um, they've always had, here's what they always get. They'll always get good offensive linemen, and they've done a great job, speaking of developing, they've developed uh, offensive linemen over the years, and they've, they're seemingly always putting guys into the league at the next level, right? And so that's kind of been their strength, and they've stayed with it with the run game, and they just haven't had an arm, and you're right. When they when they could pick up uh, a transfer from NC State, then they were pretty good. <laughs> so it's interesting. I think Luke can change that. And uh, the Nebraska hire. What about uh, Rule? Matt Rule. Yeah, that's interesting. So Matt has ties. Done. Now, the Nebraska hire is really unique. That is a really hard place to recruit from. They thought they cracked the code when they got Scott, because Scott was familiar with Florida. Um, 
and that uh, that he got a couple kids, but he still didn't get enough. So let's say you can win the state of Nebraska. Great, you got two kids. Then what do you do? You got to go elsewhere. Baylor, in the state of Texas, he knows that. Um, they that's not as far a trip, or or how should I say this? It's maybe it's a little more appealing from a for a Texas kid than a Florida kid to go up to Wisconsin um, or Nebraska, rather. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just one of those things. You know, it's, it still comes down to recruiting, and if he can get. I hate these terms, but if he can get a three-star kid and develop him, you hit gold. Hmm. And so that's what he'll have to do. A couple more minutes here with Matt Millen. Somebody wants to ask, uh, Doug says, what, uh, what's happened to Northwestern football? Nothing. Nothing's really happened to Northwestern. They've always been cyclical. And Fitz does a great job. Fitz hmm. is a really good coach. You don't want to go anywhere. He'll stay right there. He's a good developer. He can take what he has, and he'll make them better. He sticks to the high academic standards, and that eliminates a lot of people. And so, you know, if you look at that team right now, you had a good running back this year, you had a good left tackle, and then, you know, there's the other guys. And so you just have to bring them along. He's usually on about a four-year cycle, four- or five-year cycle. He goes, they're down a little bit now. He'll come back up again, and then they'll they'll be in contention for the West Division, unless they change it. And then they'll they'll do the same thing. So he's he's kind of up and down. He's in a little bit of a down circle, but uh, cycle. But he's he's a really good coach. Mm-hmm. Matt Illinois is eight and four. That's a good season for Illinois. It's a bounce back. The culture's good, but they lose four really good defensive backs: quarterback, running back. It's key players gone. Can they take another step? So the answer is yes and no, and you know this. So I'm glad you asked the question because the answer is they're going to go backwards a little bit until they can find that those pieces, right? And you don't have to get all of them, but the main piece is if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And so there's the portal and there's recruiting and there's developing and all those things. Um, but he's still on the front end. I was surprised that he had, he took such a big step here in this year. Uh, but he can, you know, Brent knows what he's doing. He's been around it long enough. He understands the recruiting. He's he'll be fine. It's just you know you can't expect you can't expect uh, year in and year out like in Ohio State because he's not getting those kids. But he'll be you know he can be a in a, in a three year cycle. That would be that's fine. That's fine for anybody, right? Hmm. So um, yeah, I think he'll he'll find a way to replace some of them you got to get the main piece though and that's a quarterback yeah and the transfer portal can be a factor too there's no doubt about yeah. that so uh yeah. final for you uh matt uh any thoughts on the championship games across the country this weekend that you're particularly interested in that yeah i want to see uh i want to see lsu i think that's a good football team uh, that that sec championship game will be good i, I want to see if they can do anything with georgia Georgia really looks strong right now, but uh, that's one piece of the puzzle. And then uh, don't count out USC. That quarterback is really good. Hmm. He does some good things, and that's a pretty talented roster. He's got a good play caller, so I think Lincoln Riley does a nice job with that stuff. That'll be interesting to see. It's a different brand of football, right? And usually USC, back in the day, like when McKay was there, 
and Robinson was there. They emphasized physicality. I don't know if they still do that. I don't haven't watched them enough, but the Pac-12 hasn't really been a physical group, and that's usually where you know the SEC wins those games. So, well, that's a we'll big, big, happens. big game for USC because they could nudge Ohio State out for the fourth spot in the playoff. As yeah, it stands absolutely. right now with TCU and 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 Michigan and Georgia. I mean, if Michigan and Georgia both win, which I would expect them to. Uh, right. And boy, uh, this would knock Ohio State right out of it. Hmm. Yeah, they, they lost by too many points Saturday. <laughs> I know <laughs> it really didn't look like in the beginning of that game. I, I mean, I only saw the beginning, and then I I had to get ready for ours. But uh, we were, I was watching that thing. I I was just kind of surprised. I thought mm-hmm. they were moving the ball pretty well. I I don't know. Well, I don't know exactly. I I'm, I like to go back and watch that film, the Michigan game. Uh, that this past weekend, just to see exactly what Michigan did. Well, Michigan had about three or four first downs, but they had about three bombs that just changed the whole <laughs> complexion yeah, of the game and demoralized Ohio State to the point where they could even run the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, it's amazing how things go. But, hey, that's college football, right? That's right. And, Matt, we're delighted you're able to be with us for a little bit today and I'm glad things are going well for you health-wise. I know it's about four years ago now, right, since your heart transplant? Is that right? Yeah, four years in a heart transplant, and um, yeah, yeah. So so far so good. You know, wow. I'm still above ground. I'll take it. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of that turducken that you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always good for your heart. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Matt, thanks again. I appreciate your insight. Great to visit with you this fall. Maybe we'll see you again here soon. So, all right, take care of yourselves, right. guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Thank Matt. you very much, Matt Mellon uh, with BTN. Of course, a great linebacker at Penn State, four-time Super Bowl winner. Uh, with four uh, Super Bowl rings, a lot of a lot of time with the Raiders. Uh, spent a lot of time in uh, Oakland and Los Angeles with them, and uh, just so happy for him. He he was uh, serious physical tr- trouble, and had that transplant years four yeah. years ago on Christmas Eve. Well, that would indicate that. it's working. Yeah, so that's good. All right, uh, went way behind, but I wanted to get Matt in today. So let me get a break in. We'll come back and uh, we'll continue with more uh, here on a penny for your thoughts. Our show today brought to you by Berkey's. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Join us tonight for the first edition of the Brad Underwood Radio Show live at Papadell's Pizza Factory in Champaign, 7 to 8, here on DWS. On a beautiful day here in Evanston, here is the handoff to Reggie Love. Runs to the right, 45-40, right sideline, 35. First down, Illinois, down to the 31-yard line of Northwestern. And Reggie Love steps in there for a gain of 20 as he cut to the right. At the Wildcat 14, pistol look, Reggie Love in for Chase Brown, shaken up on this drive, handoff to Reggie, runs left, slips a tackle, 10-5, Reggie Love down to the two-yard line. He almost broke it, and boy, is he slippery. Illinois first and goal at the Northwestern two. Here is Reggie Love into the end zone. Touchdown, Illinois. And the Illini in front of a big orange-clad crowd in Evanston grab the lead, 6-0.
on a penny for your thoughts, 939. Here as we join you, Lauren Tate is with us. We're glad to have been joined by Matt Millen from uh, well, BTN. He was with CBS. He was the number two color commentator behind John Madden at one point. Is that right? On CBS. Yeah, Boy, before it's he, fun to hear Madden again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. He's, he's just, he just kind of makes you look up and pay attention. He's just so much fun. But I want to ask you about, you know, we we're talking about uh, Chase Brown. It looks like, uh, Brian, he has led the nation in rushing, even though he only had 61 yards Saturday. But nobody caught him that I know of, and mm-hmm. I tried to check it. And I, I'm reading that he won it, uh, that there's nobody, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Abraham only had 70 yards and was too far behind to catch him. Normally, Abraham would have 100 or 150. Right, right. But uh, in any case, um, did you think maybe that the running back situation for Illinois next year was resolved in that game by the performance of Love? He was really good. And and he showed little spurts in some of the games. Yes, he has. I mean, he's shown – uh, break uh, when he's hit, he he bounces pretty mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. But uh, initially, when he ran, it just seemed like he would run right into the line and and didn't pick his hole very well. But boy, he's he's I think he's shown improvement, and he's a better runner now than he was a year ago. And the next year, I would think that he's uh, going to take the next step up. He and McCray, I would imagine, would be the one-two guys. Although we got a couple of freshmen we haven't seen yet, Anderson mm-hmm. and, and Jordan Lawford. Anderson. Yep. And Lawfrey, uh, I think, played briefly in one game, and that was it. Yeah, they uh, red this year. So redshirted him. And by the way, McCray's going to redshirt. You, that, that's a done deal because he's played three games, mm-hmm. so he can play. He can play in the bowl game and, and still redshirt. And which bowl game will that be? We'll see. There's speculation all over the place. Anywhere from the Citrus Bowl, which is in Orlando, January second, uh, to the old Outback Bowl. It's called something else now. Rely a Quest in Tampa. Raymond James Stadium. That is also on January 2nd. They basically play those games simultaneously. They're staggered by an hour, basically. And then there's a Music City Bowl has also come up in Nashville. I think that's on New Year's Eve day. Purdue was in that game last year, the Music City Bowl. And uh, Purdue and Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game coming up Saturday. Uh, Basketball, of course, defeated Lindenwood over the weekend. That was not a surprise. Uh, Anything in that game you saw that was interesting to you well i think the freshman guards are coming along very nicely and i i I was glad to see sky clark pick up his scoring because he's been a a a contributor and he plays a solid game but he hadn't been scoring much and he went eight for nine from the field and i yeah that was that was a pickup and i think every time i see epps i think he he can play and of course the rebounding of uh meyer was a was a was a positive and I just thought overall uh, the team appears ready for these next four games, all of which are going to be very tough. Uh, Syracuse might be the – I don't want to use the word easiest, but the, Syracuse is probably not as good as Maryland or Penn State or Texas. Well, the record certainly shows that. Well, They're yeah, three and, they, and just three. Got, they just lost a, 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 a game this past weekend. Who was it? Bryant. To? Bryant, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know who Bryant is. I, I didn't look that <laughs> up yet. I, I've got to do that before yeah. tomorrow's game, but – somehow i i just can't get away from football yet this year this mm-hmm. football has really got me to mm-hmm. um, uh, and and watching all the different things that have happened and 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 imagining how this is going to turn out i uh and illinois was so close and indiana leading purdue at halftime seven to three i know and if only purdue could get a little off because you know sooner or later o'connell's going to hit some passes for purdue and they're going to score 
and Indiana couldn't keep pace with them in the second half. Yeah, Indiana needed to win that game with defense. Yeah, well, just a little bit yeah. of quarterbacking. But you know, they broke out against Michigan State the week before. They scored mm-hmm. a bunch of points in the second half and won the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I, but again, I didn't follow it close enough to really know what was happening. But, but basketball right now, Seth Davis turned in his AP poll. Yeah, he's Purdue in the top five. Number one. Number one? Really? He's number one. <laughs> number Purdue's well, number one. Was, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, you think anybody... Arizona number two. Yeah. And Texas number three. We're playing Texas. West Virginia. Uh, uh, Virginia. Yeah. I think we played we just Virginia, played Virginia, didn't we? yeah. And let them <laughs> late. Let them late. And Illinois was 10 on his okay. uh, list. And way ahead of Duke, ahead of Gonzaga, ahead of Kentucky. And, you know, it's, it's, it's early yet. Don't base your feelings about a team this year based on last year. Just don't mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. because they're all new teams. They've had a lot of transfers in. I mean, Virginia's got three I, – you know, Virginia you, you think of as a team that wouldn't have a lot of transfers, but they got three transfers in their first six. Mm. And, and they had a big part in the game, a huge part in the game that, when they beat Illinois. So Illinois got transfers. There's transfers everywhere. And we had Sean Harrington on – Saturday morning, and asking him about the Big Ten, and he he listed seven schools that he thought were could be competitive for the Big Ten championship, including Illinois, and he didn't mention Ohio State and Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> so that's nine schools that I would consider yeah. highly competitive. Absolutely, absolutely. And did anybody have a better basketball weekend than Purdue? Oh no, they just they just ruled West Virginia, right? They and, and then uh, when they get that ball into the to Edie, it's just impossible to stop him. He's so tall. Blew out Gonzaga. Blew out Duke. Yeah. And uh, those were so yeah. A lot of people are predicting. Yeah, Purdue I watched will... the Duke game yesterday, and mm-hmm. and I would I would say to you this: in the first five six minutes of both those games, Purdue was awful, hmm. absolutely awful. Scored three or four points and had five turnovers, and you think, oh, they look. And the next. Ten minutes, they just ran off with the thing, hmm. had big leads at halftime, and then they, of course, both teams came back a little bit. But Duke, uh, Duke uh, came back and got uh, gotten single digits, and then Purdue just pulled away again. Hmm. They just keep running that center offense, and everybody says, you know, that's that's college ball, that's not NBA ball. Well, it's working for Purdue. They always have a big center, <laughs> and if I'm a center. If I'm a good center and Purdue wants me, why wouldn't I go there? They're sure. going to feed me. They're going to build it around you. He had a rule. I, I'm here now. He said at one point he had a rule where if every time we come down, we want the center to touch it. Mm-hmm. He and can pass he, it back out, but we want to throw it in there at least and, once. And if he doesn't, you probably run. <laughs> be my guess, right? <laughs> Nine forty-six. Another break here. I got behind, so let's do that. It's a lot of texts and emails. Hang on. Back to all of you here in just a moment on the Berkeys. Monday morning quarterback show here at the end of November. Snap back on third and long. Here comes the rush. Up the middle. He throws to the right. It's picked off. Devin Weatherspoon. He might go all the way. We'll see. He cuts back at midfield. 45-40. Still on his feet. 35-30. And he's tripped up at the Wildcat 30. And he's going to be upset that he didn't get the pick six. But what a great run by 31. Devin Weatherspoon. Part of the action on Saturday. We're on the Monday Morning Quarterback Show on Penny for Your Thoughts. We'll have a lot of open line time tomorrow. Wednesday, Jim Dye joins me. 
in the second hour. That'll be the last day of November. And then Thursday, the first day of December, will be Justice Robert Steigman. We'll do the show on Friday from College Park, Maryland. We'll be headed out with a basketball team Thursday afternoon and uh, join you from College Park for the ball game, of course, Friday night for the start of Big Ten play for the Fighting Illini. But uh, we'll do the radio show from there on Friday. So that's what's ahead here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, the uh, speculation on the Colorado coaching position. Ryan Walters, one of the names that is up there. Also Bronco Mendenhall, former coach at Virginia, is another name on the list for Colorado. And we'll see what happens with that. Ryan Walters up for the top assistant, Frank Broyles' assistant coach award. And, uh, Lauren, you looked up some numbers, uh, points allowed. What, Georgia was number one. Illinois number two. And Illinois was what? Number Illinois two. number two. And Michigan yeah. three. Michigan three, Air Force four, Minnesota five, and Iowa six. Big Point. Ten had some defensive teams, didn't they? <laughs> Points Either allowed. They had bad offensive teams, yeah. whatever. Whatever it was, 952. Let's go to the phones here and see what uh, Eric has to say. Hi, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. I had a, had a bit of a uh, question for you. Uh, one thing that's been bugging me for quite a while, the college basketball rankings. You know, they, they, they put these out based off of, Nothing, basically. Right. You know what I mean? It's just popularity contest. And so I asked Brad Underwood this on a couple of weeks ago, and they go by, they use the um, Ken Pomeroy numbers, you know, really seriously because those are based on actual statistics and things, you know. And um, and so when you look at the rankings there, that's actually what we should go by because it, it, it bugs me to know when they had like North Carolina number one and they got upset when they were actually, you know, underdogs to Alabama, stuff like that. But, um, uh, I don't know if you, do you Lauren or, or, or Brian, do you guys do you know about those rankings? Do you follow them at all? The analytical? Well, I listened yesterday to um, Joel Klatt talk about football, and in the same category that we're talking about basketball, in that there is a built-in feeling about team that there's a culture that certain teams, or Duke as an example, is going to be ranked based very much on past years, which really should have nothing to do with this year, but they do because we're humans and we, we can't get it out of our head, for example, that Alabama is a great football program regardless of what, you know, even if they lose, we still think they're a great football program. So we, we have preconceived ideas, and that's what you're asking me about. I'm more talking about basketball than football. I know, I understand, but the yeah. preconceived ideas are there still there in just the preseason. The yeah. I mean, I'm just using that as an example. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's by, by looking at them, um, the, you know, if they get the top-ranked team analytically is Texas right now, and Illinois plays them. Mm-hmm. They actually have a very tough schedule coming yeah. up when I was looking at, uh, when I was looking at it because they kind of luck out. Purdue is the highest-rated Big Ten team right now, but they don't play them until March. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's actually advantageous. Yeah, well, just to give you but, an idea, uh, for instance, Purdue was ranked 23rd going into the weekend. And they're going to jump to right. way. They're going to jump way, way up. They might jump to number they, one. Yeah, and this is what Seth Davis had them number one. So, I mean, yeah, they're they're number seven. They're number seven analytically, right? Yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. So it just it just it helps to look at this because, like I said, those numbers that they throw out there, who's ranked here and there, there's there's they couldn't be more meaningless. So it, it well, the computer good. doesn't have preconceived ideas, and that's why you prefer it. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's a very true. So, anyway, just wanted to share, guys. Yep. Thanks a lot for Thanks. the show. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. We go from Eric to Steve up next. Good morning, Steve. Hello. How are you today? Good. Doing well. Well, I haven't called in a long time, but I'd like to give you a little history. I uh, played 
Centennial back in 68 and 70. And uh, I was wondering if Lauren can remember back then. <laughs> no, I can't re- No, I did get here in 66 just when Centennial was becoming a high school. Yes. And I was just going to say uh, we didn't have a state tournament back then. And nope. uh, we had a pretty good team. We went undefeated in uh, my junior year. And then senior year we had one loss. And Central was a pretty good team back then, too. We had uh, Jenkins on our team and Briner on Central. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if uh, he thought maybe that might have been the best football uh, champagne has ever had. And then I'll talk to you about the Illini. Well, I, I can't answer that. I mean, I, I, I don't know what was the best football we've ever had. It was awfully good then. But um, it's clear right now that over the a period of time here, and, and not necessarily this year, but over a period of time, Centennial and Central haven't been what they were before. But I was in a debate with some people, and they were trying to tell me how good they were, and I tried to explain to them, well, we didn't have a tournament back then to do it. Well, that was something Warren Smith worked very hard at Urbana to to bring about, and, uh, of course, it did come, happen. And uh, you know, But Smitty would be pretty upset with how uh, Urbana's doing in football right now. They don't even have a team. No, they got a heck of a soccer team, but unfortunately yep. they don't have football. Okay, I'd like to talk about the – Illini. Yes. Like I say, I've been here 70 years, and uh, I remember the slush fund. I remember the molar years, Mike White years, and uh, Mike White got us in a little trouble. We had uh, illegal recruiting or something, and molar, well, you know what I'm talking about. That was actually our worst part, I think. Mm-hmm. But our new coach, he uh, made a call in the Michigan game not to kick a field goal, and it was like, oh, I don't know, four minutes maybe left in the ball game, and it turns out we got beat by two points. We would have been into the uh, Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis this weekend, or whenever it's played, if he'd made that one choice. Well, of course, that would have changed the, the, uh, the way the game was being played, but uh, I don't remember any situation like that late in the game uh, you might be referring to a, a situation earlier in the game. Well, and, the, and when it happened, there was about four minutes left. No. Instead of kicking the field goal, he tried to run a fourth down play, and they didn't get it. You're Michigan right. got the ball, and they went down and kicked the field goal to win the ball game. Well, that's not what happened. No, not, not at the end well, of the but, game. But here, here's, what hap- here's what you're talking about. They kicked a field goal to make it 17-13, to 13, Early in the fourth quarter, Illinois got the ball back and marched down to the 33-yard line. At the 33, it would have been a 50-yard field goal against the win. Against the win. And at least 50 against the win. And he elected not to do that, and he went for it and didn't get it. Well, uh, if they would have tried it and maybe had hit it, they would have won the ball game is what I'm trying to say. Well, now, then, then well, of course, Michigan doesn't try to kick field goals. Instead, they would try to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yes, if it, if it, that changes the whole way the game would have been played at the end. Michigan decided with three minutes to go that they would rather kick a field goal and get within one point so that they could win the game with a field goal. They had the win. And I think they anticipated that Illinois would try to run clock and they'd get the ball back at near mm-hmm. midfield, and that's what happened. Yeah, Got about less than a minute here, Steve. The one, the one play that did hurt, though, Illinois was first and goal deep in Michigan territory early, 
and then they jumped off sides, uh-huh. you know, false start, and that moved them back five yards, and they had to kick a field goal back then. So they gave away a chance at four points right there, and that yes, could have been the difference that. in the I'm game. Just yeah. yeah, that uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about. You know, I heard people say that it was uh, the bad calls that cost us the ball game. The umpires were terrible. Well, regardless of what they were, the call was a call, and I just believe that if he would have at least attempted the field goal, maybe he might have won it, mm-hmm. hit it, and they would have won. Is that not true? Yep. Well, well, I don't know, but I, 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 it's hard to say that. Yeah. But but Thank it was you, a, it was a fifty yard field goal against the wind. I don't know if you could kick it that far right. against that wind. All right, I got to go to the news. Thank you, Steve. WDWS Champagne Urbana. It's the second hour of a penny for your thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk fourteen hundred and ninety three nine FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone via text or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397 or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357 or send an email to talk at wdws.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. On a penny for your thoughts, News Talk 1400, DWS 10.09, our Monday morning quarterback show today, brought to you by our friends at Berkey's Farm Store, your hometown Kubota dealer. Visit them at 2202 South High Cross Road in Urbana. Our news this hour was brought to you by First Mid Bank and Trust, providing financial solutions since 1865. Visit firstmid.com to find out more. We had Matt Millen on with us in the first hour, great Penn State linebacker, longtime commentator on radio and TV. And uh, Lauren Tate's with us here in this second hour. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Nutcracker at the Cranard Center for the Performing Arts on Sunday, December 4th. Go to WDWS.com to register to win. Follow the link to the contest page at uh, WDWS.com to get registered. And good luck. Great tradition coming up there. Later in the week, Jim Dye. Later in the week, on December 1st, we'll have Justice Robert Steigman uh, throughout the uh, week, and then we'll do the show on Friday from College Park, Maryland, Illinois at Maryland at the end of the week for Big Ten play. Uh, Illinois volleyball does not make the NCAA tournament. No, those the, the last two losses didn't help any, but they were on the bubble anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, listen to Indiana really hurt. Yeah, and then the loss to Northwestern mm-hmm. uh, as well. So those two... Uh, that, the end matches of the, the end of game kind of kind of ended it mm-hmm. for them, and so they will not be in the NCAA tournament. But they'll be back, uh, I'm sure, with Chris Thomas at the helm. And women's basketball got a split down in uh, Florida, so they're six and one. Yeah, and the the game they lost was went to the wire. So they're just better. They're clearly better. They're getting a lot better guard play, and anxious to see what happens when they get in the Big Ten because they're going to be running in some tough ones. And, of course, we crowned some state champions, eight of them over the weekend, uh, Decatur St. Teresa. and Six for, private schools out of eight. That's right. Six out of eight won the, uh, won the titles. There's a lot of talk about that, but nobody ever does anything. But, I mean, I don't know what you can do, but the private schools are really coming up in, in football because the public schools just are, uh, if you look around, there are a lot of those the public schools are mm-hmm. just fading. And the Catholic schools, you can get, you know, players can come from anywhere to go to school at any of those private schools, for that matter, yep. right? Yeah. Just, uh, just have them there. So, uh, yeah, they won six of the eight. Springfield Sacred Heart Griffin was the other one. 
uh, here locally. So a couple of uh, championships there, and we'll see if the uh, football championships are back. Uh, the bid is in, but uh, they may want to move to one location, so we'll see. I don't know. Sounds like we're a long shot. Yeah, so we'll find out. Of course, the basketball is here now, and so uh, that'll be in the spring. Illinois 8-4, and four, most wins since the 07 Rose Bowl team. Uh, Purdue and Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Michigan blows out Ohio State in the second half. Uh, you got the Big Ten ACC Challenge games this week. Illinois and Syracuse, who got beat by Bryant. They also lost to Colgate this year. Gave up 19 threes in that game and lost to Colgate. That'll do it. And, oh, um, boy. They, uh, they're 3-3 three and three with Jim Beheim, who has never been to Champaign to play Illinois. Mm-hmm. The three games with Syracuse have been, uh, of course, the final, the Elite Eight in uh, Minneapolis. I remember one in, in Hawaii. There was one in Honolulu mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and so uh, they've never played in Champaign. So it's interesting. Those, I remember uh, interviewing him over there. He's a tough interview. Yeah, I bet he is. He can <laughs> say whatever he wants, I guess. The other one was in Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky Invitational. Illinois beat Syracuse. Texas A&M beat Kentucky. That's right. And Illinois, Illinois beat Texas A&M. It was part of that 15-0 and start. And Neil Bresnahan was named MVP there yeah. and that, of, the, was, of that event. <laughs> and I think it was supposed to be Kentucky and Syracuse, everybody thought, or maybe mm-hmm. you know in the yep. final. Yeah. And Kentucky was playing for third in their own tournament. Illinois avoided Kentucky at Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> at least that year they did, mm-hmm. until later. All right, some texts and emails here. Uh, what was the attendance for the Illinois Northwestern football game? I don't know if I saw it. 25. 25. Roughly 25. That was the announced? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, a lot of, a lot of them were wearing orange, too. Exactly. 25744. I, I was talking to some folks before the game. It was it was kind of a dilemma for in the sense for Northwestern's attendance for that game. One, you're going to have a lot of Illini people there from the, that area. B, it was a beautiful day for for anything. Mm-hmm. Walk along the lake or walk in the neighborhood. What did you think the percentage was, Illinois and Northwestern? Orange against Purple. I thought it was – I thought there were more Illinois fans. That's what I was told. Yeah. At least 60-40, mm-hmm. I think, at least. Yeah. Because they were on both sides. I was told more no because I wasn't there, so I can't I – can't, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I was told that it was even more than 60%, but – who knows? That's just a guess. But it was kind of a double whammy for Northwestern because it was a beautiful day. Hey, it'd be a great day to go see a football game if you're a Northwestern fan. But hey, they're one in ten, so I think I'll go walk and do something else. <laughs> so it was kind of that kind of day for them on the lake. Five interceptions. You realize that Illinois had 18 interceptions this year. I need to go back and check and well, find I think it's higher than that the, for this year. Was, I, I think was, they had 17 or 18 going into the game. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I think it's 21 or 22. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. I missed, I, I, I missed <laughs> yeah. that. I I was trying to figure out what it was, and I I thought they had 8, 13 going into the game or something. Yeah. I, anyway, they had a, more interceptions this year than when have we I ever had that many interceptions? I'm trying to think. Maybe the back in the early 2000s, uh, Eugene Wilson and some of those guys. I mean, that's it, a lot, though. That's a lot. For one game, and you had uh, Sidney Brown with the scoop and score, yeah, and the pick six. Uh, and, first, and the, the the points they only gave up about 140 some points this year, mm-hmm. and that's the the fewest points allowed since 1965. <laughs> and it was I was John Johnson pointed out to me that Lauren, if you're going to use that 
mention the fact they only played nine games back in 1965, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is true. Which is true. Yeah, and didn't so, start till middle of September, probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, let's see here. Some of the notes. Sidney Brown, the first player in the country with both a fumble return for a TD and an interception return for a TD since Kendall Adams for Kansas State, September 9th, 2017. And the Sidney Brown was the first player with two interceptions, one interception return TD, one fumble return touchdown in a single game since 2012. So a major accomplishment. All of the talk, of course, we thought Chase Brown would have a huge game. He got dinged up early, and that's why Reggie Love was in. But it was Sidney Brown that had the day. And he got the Walter, Walter Camp Award for the Defensive Player of the Week. Well, he should. <laughs> you I mean, think? And those were the first. I had not, and Martin and I were talking about this on the air, That was the, those were the first points scored by the defense this well, year. Yeah, that's amazing. As Which good is, as the defense has as been. As good as the defense has been. And you look been. back at what Iowa has done, and, and Iowa had a terrific defense too, but they scored a lot on special teams and defense. And that's how they scored their points. <laughs> they you got know? a bunch of them. Uh, 10-17. Ken is up next. Good morning, Ken. You're on Penny. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. <clears throat> I'd just like to mention uh, that I read Coach Billamez's uh, text message, that I guess it was on Twitter, <clears throat> about uh, Purdue and Michigan in a sense that he said that uh, since he knows quite well uh, the the both teams how they play on the field. I'm just paraphrasing, and he said he'd be happy to meet them on a neutral field with neutral referees. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> so what he said. I I want to commend Coach Billima <laughs> for saying that. <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. Right. I mean, he's Thanks, he Ken. stayed just short of being fined by the Big Ten. That's right. That was a, <laughs> that was in code. I think. Yeah, right. Is what he was speaking there. Right. So I think uh, we know what he's saying. Yep. Uh, Lauren, after reading your article yesterday, the last paragraph was what most people were waiting to hear. How can we attract another DeVito if he's watched any of our games this year and never trust him in the red zone to roll out or play action, always pound the ball up the middle, no matter how many defenders are in the box? Um, Well, DeVito has concluded his eligibility according to NCAA rules. However, there is work going on, whether it'll be effective or not, I doubt, to see if there's some way to uh, appeal that uh, and get him another year because, and, and he's getting older, I don't, I don't even know if he wants to return. I think he probably would if he could, but uh, he, was, he redshirted as a freshman in 2017, and he had a, a free year in 2020, and he redshirted in 2021, he quit at Syracuse after three games. He doesn't have any more eligibility, but is there some way they can appeal that? I don't know. I suppose you could. If you had a medical, you could. Mm-hmm. If you could if you could show that he had a medical in 2017 or a medical in 2021, uh, but I don't I'm not aware of any of any talk about him being hurt in either of those years. But he was beaten out by Schrader last year at Syracuse mm-hmm. and Schrader turned out to be one heck of a quarterback. Another interesting note from the uh, game on Saturday. Brett Bielema, the first Illinois head coach to win their first two games against Northwestern since John Makovic. <laughs> We've been having right? trouble with Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> that, that shocked me a little bit. Well, what you got re- the first thing you got to remember about most of the coaches who have left Illinois have left the team in shambles. 
most of the coaches, not not Mike White. Now he was he had them things going, and but uh, we've had some other coaches who, whether you go back to Valak or Moeller or you know more recently, uh, the team was not in good shape and mm-hmm. and and they had they started way behind. Whether it was, Turner, for example, was inherited a really weak team, and uh, Ron Zook inherited a really weak team. Right, right. All right, 217-356-9397. We will have a Brad Underwood show tonight, by the way, at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8. Papa Dell's in Champaign, our first Brad Underwood show. So if you want to come and see the coach and congratulate him and uh, watch the show, watch us do the show, we'll do it there. We'll have it here on the radio tonight at 7. Prior to that, our first high school uh, prep confidential show, uh, basketball version, I'm told, comes up tonight at uh, 6. 5 o'clock, they'll be at the Esquire. Uh, and Matt Daniels will be uh, hosting that for you. As uh, Steve Kelly's getting a little work done on his hip. He'll be uh, missing the next two Saturday sports lines, and uh, he's getting a, he's going to get himself all fixed up so he can hit that ball a little longer off the tee. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll do that, and the softball pitching coach uh, will be there, and, the, and one of the Illinois softball players will be there as well. So we'll look forward to that. And then, of course, uh, sports talk. As well, U.S. World Cup action uh, playing today, I guess, against Iran. You got to so win, don't they? So you that's can't have another tie, can you? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, let's see here. A caller right before the news was referring to the. Um, I mean, where was that? Here, I lost it. Uh, the kick would have been into the wind. Yep, uh, which is true. Uh, regarding the caller right before the news, fourth and eight at the Michigan thirty-three, eight oh six left in the fourth quarter. Tommy DeVito runs for two yards to the Michigan 31, and Michigan got the ball back. And yeah, they were in that in that tweener zone. Where do you punt it? Do you kick it? Well, do you go for it? That, that wasn't even a debate. Hmm. I mean, you, you, you could tell from the kickoffs that you couldn't kick that ball 50 yards for a field goal. Now, he can kick it 50 yards in a normal situation. The thing that made... The thing that made Harbaugh's strategy so good late in kicking the field goal to make it a one-point game was the fact that he had the wind behind him, and it was they could have kicked a 50-yard field goal mm-hmm. that direction. They could have kicked a 55-yarder maybe. So they only had to get to the Illinois 35-yard line with the wind in the final seconds to have a shot to win the game. As it turned out, because of a penalty, they went from the 37 to the 22, 15-yard right. penalty on Witherspoon, First pass interference of the day. Only pass interference of the entire day on either team. Yeah, came in that moment. In yep. that moment, to, to, to you know, it affected the game. I, I I can't complain about the call on Chrysler. I watched it again, and I'd say he was holding on the third down play after the two plays in the line. The thing that drives me up the wall is the fact that we plunged into a line that had eight people in it the first time and nine defenders in at the line in the second time. We, there was no chance that you were going to make any yardage there. They did make three yards in two plays, but, but uh, those two plays were, for me, the defining plays of the season of the decade for me because this was a chance to pull off a victory that would have ranked mm, one of the best ever. One of the very, very, very best ever, yeah. and way up in the top ten, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it was a chance, but it took a little 
daring to do it because Illinois was going to run clock, and, and, the, and the clock at that point didn't matter. In this sense, Michigan had the timeouts, and two minutes was all they needed to go. They, they, they only needed to go about 35 yards to get in field goal range after we punted. And by the way, our punting late in the season it has to be better. Yeah. Well, it cost us the Michigan State game. If you go back and you look at the Michigan State game and see how many yards Illinois had to go, and in, in the Michigan State game, Illinois started in the second half. They started from their from the twenty. Listen, let me make, I'll make sure I got this right. Okay, second half. Illinois started from the 25, the 37. The, well, I'm, I, must be, I must be wrong here. I must be thinking of, of, I, of the Purdue game. No, I, no. I, had the, I had the Purdue game. Excuse me. In the second half, they started from the seven-yard line. And I never did understand what happened on that kickoff. But Illinois had to start from their own seven. Then they had to start from the 11. Then they had to start from the 35. Then they had to start... Uh, they they had they, the fourth quarter. They had to start from the one yard line, mm-hmm. and they're trailing twenty three to fifteen from their own one. They drove all the way to the to the to the nineteen, but they they didn't score. And the last time they they had to start from their thirteen yard line. Mm-hmm. Just think of that, Brian. Mm-hmm. That, well, you got to go the length of the field. The right. chances of scoring are really reduced in those really bad conditions. Yeah, yeah. And we another, gave up, and with the bad punt, the six-yard punt particularly, mm-hmm. gave just gave up a lot of field position. Yeah, at Michigan State, and then we had injuries on the defense, and to shuffle guys around, and and got down to a mm-hmm. further on the depth chart at the you know one of the corner spots, and then yeah. boom, Michigan State scores a touchdown, and you lose by one score, and that's you know it's, uh, but they were in every game. There was not a game we had years where we'd get blown out. Wasn't close, and oh, every game was competitive. Every game came down to a couple key plays and a couple, mm-hmm. and Illinois didn't get some calls that uh, were just wrong. Somebody, I forget who it was, said on Twitter, he said, I'm writing this sentence. Illinois fans are disappointed they didn't get to the Big Ten championship game. If I'd have written that in August and said, here's what I'm writing in November, you'd say, what are, what are you drinking? What are, what, are, what, are you, what are you thinking? Part of, the, part of that was beca- part of our uh, – evaluation of the conference was that we expected Wisconsin to be better. We expected Iowa to be better. We expected this was a weak conference. Mm-hmm. This is a really weak conference. Look at the overall records of these teams. In the division. Yeah. In the division. Yeah, uh, only the, yeah, only the division. Yeah. But uh, Illinois was, had a real chance because of that. Illinois was way better, and the other teams had dropped. Mm-hmm. And that's why you had to scramble the way you did. And then you look up, and Nebraska and Wisconsin had new coaches, had interim coaches before the season was very far along because they were unhappy with what they were getting. And so Illinois had a chance this year because of that. And that's why you just, yeah, that's why I'm disappointed because this was an opportunity that won't come along every year. By the way, just in, uh, the Big Ten ACC challenge we're about to partake in will be the last one. Hmm. It's going to end. Why? They're going to start an ACC-SEC challenge for men's and women's basketball to debut in 23-24. Well, that's too bad. They announced this Monday. Uh, they'll air on the ESPN platform. I'm guessing some of this has to do with uh, TV TV rights mm-hmm. You know that changed yep. here over time. And ESPN's Absolutely. been a driver of this Big Ten ACC well, challenge. Well, they started we've it. kind of dumped the ESPN, haven't we? Mm-hmm. So it's ACC-SEC for men's and women's basketball next year, 
ACC Big Ten challenge to end. So well, this we, will be the last we knew. One. I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we understood that when we dropped the ESPN, uh, uh, that some there would be some uh, factors develop along the lines of less uh, mention on ESPN for the Big Ten and this uh, particular series hmm. with the with the, I, I, I'm sorry that we're losing that because that that was a good uh, that was a good game for everybody. It's a great run. All right, 1028, let me get a break in. Hang on, callers. Back to you here in just a moment on A Penny for Your Thoughts, brought to you by Berkey's today. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey, Illini family. It's Illini women's basketball coach Shauna Green. Don't miss a minute of Illini basketball this season. On News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, DWS. Second and one at the Wildcat 35, 10-0 Illinois, handoff up the middle, Reggie Love, he might go, 10-5, and he's pulled down first and goal as Reggie Love surges through the line of Northwestern, and they catch him after a gain of 32 yards. Second and goal at the one, he's going to sneak it, and he's in, touchdown, Tommy DeVito, I think. Yeah. Have they signaled? The officials are coming in from either side. Touchdown, there it is. Tommy DeVito had three rushing touchdowns at Wisconsin earlier this year. He gets one at Northwestern there, and the Illini win at 41-3 to go to 8-4. Our uh, show today, one of our sponsors, Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair. If you've had a fender bender over the holiday, hopefully you didn't, but if you did, Big Dent, Little Ding, they can fix it for you. Dave Miller and Bill Gallo, hands-on owners, a lot of great reviews for them. Located south side of I-74 between the Neal and Prospect exits. We go to Howard up next. Before the news here, hi Howard. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, uh, Lauren, could you go over next year's football schedule real quick? Oh man, I didn't bring it with me. I don't think. Let's see. Uh, well, we play Wait, we Florida Atlantic. We yeah. play Kansas at, there at Kansas, and that'll be a tough game. And we play Penn State early at home in a Big Ten. Uh, that'll be our Big Ten opener, and then we play Indiana later. And we play Maryland, and of course we play all the other teams in the in the West Division. It'll be the last year for the West Division. Do we play Michigan next year? No, oh. I just mentioned the three. We play Penn State, yeah. Indiana, and Maryland. We do not play Ohio State. We do not play Michigan. I've got it here for you, Howard. It's uh, Toledo at the start, mm-hmm. at Kansas, home to Penn State, home to Florida Atlantic, at Purdue. And then October, it's Nebraska here at Maryland, home to Wisconsin, and then off on the 28th. And then November at Minnesota, Indiana here, at Iowa, and Northwestern here. So uh, that's, What guys do you think will opt out of the bowl? Uh, Witherspoon, maybe Chase Brown. Maybe Newton. It was a great season. I just can't uh, put it to rest yet. Last yeah. year, out of the 50 players, 50 top-rated players, 14 opted out of bowl games, four for Ohio State. 
but nobody, uh, but, but the, all the players who could play uh, participated in the, in the four-team playoff. What we're talking about are the other bowl games that don't mean anything really. Four I t- hope we get another crack at Michigan next year. Oh, no. We don't play them next year. No. Yeah. Well, you could play them in the playoff. There'll be one more playoff if they could beat Ohio State a third straight time. Yeah. All right, thank you, guys. Thank Ohio you. State's going to be rethinking that defense. Thanks, Howard. Appreciate it. Yeah, you can't give up the home runs, no. Brian. You can't. You've no. got to guard against the home run. <laughs> you make them punch it out. How tough would it be for Michigan to score in the red zone against Ohio State? They never had to worry about that. They scored from so far out. Didn't matter. No. Yeah. Ten thirty-four. Uh, we had Matt Mellon on talking about that game. He said Michigan's gotten a lot more physical. We'll see how they do in the Big Ten title game and in the playoff. And can Ohio State sneak back in there? We'll see. Lots of conference championship games this weekend. CBS News straight ahead here. First Mid Bank and Trust presents that. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. But no points for the Wildcats. Against the wind, keeping it on the ground. And this time the ball is loose. Maybe a scoop and score for Sidney Brown. He's gone. Touchdown. On Saturday, Illinois' win over Northwestern, 10-38 at DWS. Our show today brought to you by Berkey's, your hometown Kubota dealer, 2202 High Cross Road in Urbana. Uh, assuming Michigan beats Purdue, Ohio State should end up in the Rose Bowl. I wonder how many will sit out this year. A few of their top players did last year. Yeah, four trend, did last year. A trend that makes me nauseous to see. I mean, they that's have- just really a bad consolation prize, isn't it, the Rose Bowl? <laughs> well, for them, it is. Yeah, it is. I guess, but yeah. but it, it was all they they used to play for. You know, mm-hmm. for years that's you played for the Rose Bowl. Question about officiating: Why are Big Ten officials never held accountable, or are they held accountable? How are they? Well, the, why is the Big Ten never admits the mistakes were made in officiating? Somebody. Well, asked. they're not going to make it public. I don't think mm-hmm. they they talk to coaches, and and you're sitting there in. You know, in the Big Ten office, and you're getting complaints from all every all 14 coaches. I got a complaint. Mm-hmm. I guarantee it. Oh, sure, every week, every week. Yeah. And and I did talk to and Ron Gunther is one of the people that's involved in this. And I talked to Ron about the the the, the play at Indiana. That's the only one I talked to him about, in which the receiver. Uh, Hightower. Hightower yeah. caught the, what we thought was a touchdown pass. Right. And I said, that was obvious to me, Ron. And no, it wasn't obvious. He said it was He said it was 50-50. And I thought, oh, man, if that's 50-50. I, but, <laughs> but I'm just telling you that they have a, they're, they're looking at it from a non-prejudiced view. And he sees a lot of plays like that. And the officials never had a clear view of that play. That was the problem, mm. was the view. Mm. They didn't have a. They didn't know if that ball, when he hit the ground, if the ball went loose. And the, the trouble was that the official called it no catch on the field. Right. You have to overturn. And they're not going to overturn unless it's clear and distinct. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was clear and distinct, but... By the way, I was watching, speaking of officials' reviews, I was watching the Alabama-North Carolina four-overtime game, basketball, 
yesterday out at the I, Phil Knight. I saw some of that. Yeah, it went four overtimes. I know. And about ten reviews of everything from goaltending to whether the ball went out of bounds. When you get to the last two minutes, they're going to check every out-of-bounds play. They checked everything. Yeah. And it took forever. It took forever, and they when they joined the Michigan State game, it was 16 minutes to go in the game. It was when the they, second when half. Second half when they joined them. <laughs> those like, five-minute okay. interviews, uh, those t- overtimes, five-minute overtimes took forever. Oh, it was ridiculous. Uh, Alabama won, by the way. Uh, 1040, let's go to Allen. Hey, Allen. Hey, good morning. Um, you're talking about our uh, play-calling strategy. After the Purdue game, I called in and I said, I think we wasted an opportunity at the end of the half there where we had the ball with two minutes to go and we ran the ball and then Purdue got it and scored and tied it up. I called after the Michigan game and said, I think we missed an opportunity there. We knew we had to get first downs and we ran the ball. And like Lauren said, they had eight or nine guys in the box. Um, I love our coaches. I think we're going the right direction. But I think that Bielema is holding back a little bit the offensive play calling of our offensive coordinator. When I saw their team play us last year, I thought he did a really great job. I think Bielema is making a little bit more conservative in doing a lot more running. And one other thing I was wondering, um, you never see quarterbacks do audibles at the line anymore. I know when Mike White was here, we would do audibles. And it seems like if anybody could do it, DeVito has because he's been in football forever. He did some. Mm-hmm. Your opinion on that? He did. Well, okay. he 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 did some audible. I don't know how many, but he definitely did some audibles because you see him step back and look over to the side, and then everybody would reform and mm-hmm. start over, and maybe they'd have a, a running back move from one position to another. Yeah. And with but, this offense, he has to—I forget what the percentage is. Barry Lunny told me, but there's a percentage of plays every game where he has to make a spot-on decision on the RPO, read the defense, and make the other that decision. Is, that's right. In his mind, it's an option. A couple of things. Uh, number one, you and I are playing checkers and they're playing chess, okay? And they're playing a high level of chess and we're playing a, a bad uh, level of checkers. Back. We don't know. For us, we don't know if Lunny's has freedom to call all the plays or whether Bielema is, is in, inserting. We don't know that. I don't know what uh, what Bielema's mm-hmm. uh, decision. Uh, he may have had he may have turned it over to Lunny to make the calls. Mm-hmm. For all I know, and I don't think anybody else knows. Yeah, and I and I've been told that it doesn't happen necessarily where you get to a fourth down, and oh, the coach has to decide. It's more decided if we get to a fourth mm-hmm. down. Yeah, here's what we're gonna do. Right, and you call the play because we'll be ready for it. Is mm-hmm. what I'm told how it works. Mm-hmm. So. No, I think that's I, we. He said that. Mm-hmm. He said that in certain situations where you don't know if you're in four down territory or not, he'll say we're in four down territory. We're going to go for four, uh, the fourth down. So you your third down play is predicated on the fact that you would have a fourth down play. Right. The problem they had in the late season is they couldn't make the fourth down plays. Mm-hmm. And on first down, we were running a lot, and teams Way were scheming. Much. To a whole ch- instead of Chase getting five yards, he was getting two. That's so right. We were second and eight, or we were second and nine, and that caught up with us over the course of that game. So, really did. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Yep. Great to hear from you. Appreciate it. Ten forty-four. Another break. Back with more here in just a moment. It's easy to listen to us anywhere. Download the News Gazette app and click on Listen Live to News Talk fourteen hundred at ninety-three nine FM. 
Back to pass. Here comes the pressure. Pocket collapsing. Throws in another interception. Picked off again. Sidney Brown. He might have a pick six. He does. Touchdown. Touchdown, Illinois. And Sidney Brown is having himself a whale of a day. My goodness. This defense is just relentless. Brown steps in front of the intended receiver. Runs it up the left sideline. Touchdown, Sidney Brown. Touchdown, Illinois. on a penny for your thoughts. Busey Bank, shopping for the holiday season as uh, shopping increases, so do financial scams, they remind you, and fraudulent activity. Busey promises sound advice, both in stores and online. Set up alerts to monitor for suspicious activity on your account. Be cautious of deals that seem too good to be true. Be aware of your surroundings. Make sure you always have physical possession of your bank and credit card information. And be cautious of to whom you are providing financial information. If you suspect that someone may be a victim or you are a victim, maybe someone a uh, victim of a scam, contact local law enforcement or your bank for assistance. Busey Online Services available there. To access additional information that will protect you from scams and identity theft, visit the Information Security section of Busey's financial blog, Money Matters. We'll have a Brad Underwood show tonight at 7, Prep Confidential at 6, Esquire, a couple of uh, folks from the softball team will be over there at Esquire as Matt Daniels fills in for Steve Kelly on that. And um, let's see here. I've got Bob on the line here next. Let me get to Bob. Go ahead, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing good, guys. Good morning. Hey, a question about the coin toss. If I win it, I have the election to defer. And then what, what are my choices in the beginning of the second half when I defer? You can take the ball. I can take the ball. I can kick off. Do I I have a choice of defending a goal like I do in the first half coin toss? Not if you take the ball first. No, no. But say I defer, and and you're the – I'm just saying Illinois won the coin. If you you defer, the other team's going to take the ball. That gives you a choice on the win. Second half, if if you you have – you know, you 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 don't want to let the other team have the ball twice, right? Ninety nine out of a hundred times, I'd Lauren, I agree a hundred percent. If I have the choice, by the way, that didn't work for Michigan in nineteen twenty four. Oh yeah, with Red Grange, yeah, <laughs> they just kept picking off the Red Grange. <laughs> I was just wondering, under what circumstances, if you were coaching. How bad would the win have to be to say, you know what, I'm going to give them the ball twice because I want the win in the fourth quarter? Well, then you don't have the win in the third quarter. I mean, is it more important to have I understand. It? Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think you, I think you got to take the ball. you got to take the ball regardless. One mm-hmm. of those two times, yeah. 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 Well, that's what, that's what they all do. Yeah. But I've always wondered. We always talk about, well, we couldn't kick the field goal because it was against the win. Michigan mm-hmm. had the win. Yeah. And you wonder, well, do you just reverse it and see what happens if you did it the other way? Yeah, and I, I guess the only time it might come into play is if it were like a really bad snowstorm or something ridiculous, you know, where it, it wouldn't matter whether you had the ball or not. <laughs> you know, it was going to be tough either right. way. So That's right, you know. right. So Okay, just curious how yep. that works. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. 1049, the 79-80 Centennial football team was by far the best. 79-80. Teachers went on strike. 
Sacred Heart Griffin that we beat went to the playoffs. We did lose to Normal, not to make excuses. We played them on a Tuesday after the Sacred Heart Griffin game. Normal had a bye the weekend before. Huh. It's interesting to me how um, Normal has grown as a community and how their football programs have been, over time, pretty good. Really good. Like, really good. Mm -hmm. And Uh, and we've gone the other direction with our football programs in the community. At the Big Ten football introduction in Chicago, it was Indianapolis this year. listener says Chicago. It it was uh, Indy. How come Harbaugh deferred any questions on the strength of schedule? His only reaction was to discuss it with the athletic director. Every year before the season, Michigan – plays more than its fair share of patty cake teams. They got away with it. They did this Nobody year. cares now. They yeah. got the three wins. That's all that matters to them. Mm-hmm. That was a question as they entered Big Ten play, and you know their schedule did it do them any good because they rolled up a lot of points on there Hawaii. A, and You can call those exhibitions. <laughs> uh, Nash, NCAA rushing leaders, uh, Dwayne McBride, UAB, says here 17-13. What? Is that right? Chase Brown, 1643. Brad Roberts, Air Force, 1612. So the UAB uh, Russia went past him. That's what this listener says. Okay. Um, I mean, that could be. Could I, be. Did, I did not check him. I checked mm-hmm. a couple of others, and I, didn't, I did not check him. So, And by the way, somebody asked where Chase Brown uh, finished uh, rushing. He was second all-time at Illinois behind mm-hmm. Holcomb. Yeah. He had the third highest single-season rushing total and i think uh, i forget I, it was a mendenhall or lashore somebody had more yards in a single season but well anyway. both of them did yeah so i think mendenhall and lashore both had more single season so uh let's see there's any more text here good morning brian my deepest sympathies to coach bielema congrats retaining the land of lincoln trophy congrats to former buckeye luke fickle on getting the wisconsin job welcome back to the big 10 if Hightower and Ford return, I hope Lunny uses them more. Hightower makes tough catches. Ford is a great blocker, but like Millen said, Matt Millen said t- uh, tight ends are underutilized. Well, Ford has announced that he's not going to come back. Okay. Now, Hightower, I would hope, would return. Uh, I thought he had a good year, and Very I didn't think year. we used him enough. And Washington has another year. Well, that, the Illinois receivers uh, basically could come back. We're going to lose two tight ends. Michael Marquez and, and uh, Luke Ford, but Ryman will be back. Mm-hmm. And they have to develop an, another tight end there because they like to use two of them. And Brian and Lauren, football games are won by the running backs and the linemen. When you have three good backs and a wishbone with a decent line, you have the ultimate weapon. When one of the fullbacks can throw, you freeze the linebackers on every play. This opens up the field for great rushing. I'll pick up my $16 million check at the radio station later today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, there's only a couple of teams running Wishbone anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, the uh, military academy. Is anybody besides the military academy doing it? Georgia Tech did it for several years here Mm -hmm. recently, but I don't. Georgia Tech's got a new coach. Uh, Adam Miller hit 26 yesterday for LSU. Why did he leave the Illini? Um, I don't know exactly why he left. I don't either. Other than he, because he started he, about every game. He did. He have a problem with Corbello? No, that wasn't. That wouldn't be right, would it? Let's see. No, no, well, he was no. With Corbello, Iowa. Corbello was was a. I, I just remember. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm mixed up in my mind why he left. Yeah. 
I, I thought know. I knew once upon a time, but now I'm not sure. I think he had a problem with somebody on the team. Hmm. Well, and he went to LSU, and then he hurt his leg and and couldn't play. Couldn't play. Corbella was here two years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they were freshmen, they were on the same team together, and I don't think they got along. I'm not sure anybody got along with Corbello. Hmm. Well, Corbello, was, Corbello had a big game against Syracuse, by the way. Yeah, well, I'm, St. John's. He did, and, yeah. and and against that zone, he was murder. And Corbello can be really, really good, or he can be less than good. But I think he was a tough guy maybe to play with. I don't know. Personality-wise, I'm talking about, more than talent-wise. And I think that he felt, I think everybody felt, after Corbello's freshman year, that with with, uh, I.O. gone, that he was going to take over the team. Didn't you think that? Mm -hmm. Before the season. We all thought. Yeah. And I don't think that he was happy with that. And I may be totally wrong on that. By the way, another guy doing well is Fajimski. Oh, yeah. Santa Clara. He's going crazy I know. out there. I so. know. All right, I got to get to a break. Here's Brent Musburger. <laughs> and I like this press, too, we do. Caldwell able to break it across the timeline up the left wing. Put it on the floor, lost the handle. Turnover, Lindenwood. Danger with a pickup. Ahead to oh, Harris behind the back. To Melendez, who slams it in. Uh, there's your highlight. Terrific 2011 on the break for Illinois. 1237 to go in the half. Yeah, that was the highlight from the Lindenwood game, among many others for the Illini, but uh, that was a big one. And Harris with it behind the back. Yeah, that was a really good play. And by the way, those those uh, dunks by Shannon are electric. Mm-hmm. How He's... fast is he going when he goes through there? <laughs> He's downhill about as fast as anybody I've ever seen in Illinois. Robert Rosenthal's on every week. He had a great line. He got a less than a minute here. Yeah. Uh, I kept thinking about talking about our defense. Sidney Brown and Quan Martin's freshman year. Points allowed in the four October games in 2018, 175 in October. Points allowed in the four November games their freshman year in 2018, 172. Points allowed in the 12 games this year, 147 total. Yeah, 147 I mean, that's points just amazing. in the entire game. Most since 19... 19- 65. Yeah, the fewest. Wow. When, right after Butkus. And, of course, they only played nine games back then. We're playing 12. Yeah. That, by the way, that's a lot more games, isn't it? Three more games, imagine. <laughs> and if you get in the playoff, it would be 13. And then if you got in the uh, other playoff, it would be you could play 15 football games in college. All right, Lauren, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. And thanks for being here. And we'll have a lot more during the week. A lot more today. Brad Underwood Show later tonight. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.